Father, this morning we just come to you. Speak to us, Lord. As each day progresses, we need more of you, not less of you. More of your word, not less of your word. More of opportunities to gather together, as your word says, as you see the day approaching and not less. Because nothing, nothing will sustain us in the end other than you and your word and your spirit. Nothing, Lord. Absolutely nothing. For your word says, he who endures till the end will be saved. So give us hearing ears this morning once again to understand your word, to believe what we understand, to obey, to walk in it. Speak, Father, this morning to each one of us, young and old. Only you can speak and only you can give us understanding. Speak, Father, for in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. The first Sunday, I like the date too. Today is 1919. Okay, so. I hope you remember the messages you've been hearing. Resting in him, Pastor Vijay. Assassination and vindication of God. What do you see? And Wednesday, that you remember, right? Cold, fold or bold. When the enemy comes and intimidates through humans, of course, and situations and circumstances, do you freeze or do you bend buckle or are you bold? But we'll continue. Keep all that in your mind. Remember, God speaking to Jeremiah. I know you. And he's not just speaking to Jeremiah alone. He's speaking to all of us. I know you. Even before you are formed in your mother's womb. I set you apart. I appointed you. I ordained you. And I am the one who defines your purpose. What you do. I am the one who define your work. Go speak. And don't fear any man. And I am with you. Okay. So he puts words in his mouth. And then he says, what do you see? Okay, that's the whole thing. The whole purpose is, the whole purpose of the ministry of the word is that we learn to see life differently. Everything around us differently. That's what the word does. What do you see? Wednesday we saw the concept about the freedom, the, the freedom of the believer. No, there are different kinds of freedom. Like I said, uh, in different languages, if you look, even I think in Hindi and other regional, I don't know about Telugu, uh, we have only one word primarily in most languages. But English uses two words interchangeably, but they are not the same. The word freedom and the word liberty. So some translations will use the term liberty where freedom should be used and freedom where liberty should be used. And that is the manifesto of Jesus' mission on earth. The spirit of the Lord has anointed me to set captives free. Okay, Freedom. And if you were there on Wednesday or if you listen to the Wednesday message, you will see freedom is more of a internal construct. I don't like using the word construct because these are all 
words you use in literary theories construction and deconstruction deconstruction is what they are trying to do now with theories and jacques lacan the french philosopher all atheists okay he's the father of deconstruction you need to realize using words and theories during the media they are deconstructing our mind from the way we were created by god and reconstructing us in the image of the one who is coming first the antichrist not christ okay so I, i because of the theory background i don't like using certain words but those words have meaning okay so freedom is more of something that is internal while liberty is something that is outward so what you see is that when christ comes we should not make the same mistake when christ comes he's declaring first freedom inside and when he comes second we will have absolute liberty outside that is why all the saints in the bible and the new covenant are groaning to be released from this body they are experiencing this freedom inside but this body this flesh this worldly system stops them experiencing liberty so and scripture says the whole of creation is groaning because they want to share in the freedom which God's children experience we may not have that. see the system can take our liberties off and they are doing it the liberties are being taken off okay especially for believers all around the world our liberties are being taken off but nobody can take your freedom away freedom is your choice how to respond when your liberty is taken away we looked on Wednesday about Joseph when his liberties were taken away how he chose to respond that's the key first god makes you free inside and whom the son sets free is free inside so liberty doesn't matter it matters but doesn't matter so much we can you will realize systems will always use different different kinds of methods changing laws to give liberty and yet take away the liberty of those who believe in truth like you know about laws being changed here everywhere and what was used was science they exalt science about the word of god and the best place like i said on wednesday to see all this playing out is us because us is the melting pot of where the test of liberty how far can you push liberty because that's how the founding fathers um, framed their constitution where they put freedom and liberty that's only one place where you have freedom of speech where you can almost say anything and get away with it almost say anything okay because that's how they said it's a right to speech it's it's your liberty okay as long as you are not harming somebody like i said the difference between freedom and liberty you know are you free to say fire yes do you have the liberty to say in a theater when the movie is going on no no you could be arrested if there is a stampede and people die you could be charged with murder can i say bomb yes can i say it in an airplane no i would be immediately arrested because it would create panic so please understand this concepts differences of freedom and liberty and how it works out now what i'm saying is this is an aside so you know how science can create a mess so the scientific thing they brought about science 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 and pushed it to the front and homosexuality was made the norm and everything and then two days back scientific study of half a million people was done and the study came saying there is no gene called a gay gene 
Now what to do? What to do? The whole report you will never see in any one of the media except a few conservative medias will show you the deductions of an entire study done with half a million people who volunteered DNA to test. And two things which are there in the study which they will not tell you but which is there in the study is homosexuality is a construct, social construct of social factors and it is also caused by Smoking, cannabis, drugs can cause it. And we always knew it. We always knew in all these places where they smoke grass and they do these things, these things happen. These things happen. And you will always see these things all go together. As soon as they have freedom for homosexuality, next they are fighting is freedom for smoking marijuana. Have you noticed it? Grass. There are a lot of deductions which they will never tell you because it doesn't suit them. But what has happened? Law has already been changed. Now the science is disproving the law is wrong. That the Bible was always true. But now can you change the law again? It's not going to happen. So please don't exalt science. Put it in the back burner. One day this will prove that everything that was said was true. Okay, so keep these things all in mind and don't take these things lightly. Don't ever, ever take this lightly. And we said on Friday, on Wednesday, one of the first freedoms God gives is freedom from fear. We are not afraid. We are not afraid. Okay, but today, the Bible, when you read it, read it like a telescope, macro, and like a microscope, and sometimes like an electron microscope, okay? You have to see things, otherwise you don't see. Today, turn to Joshua chapter 1, verses 5 to 9. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you, okay? God speaking to in a context, specific person, specific, specific time. But otherwise, this is something he tells everybody. It always begins with a promise. Remember to Jeremiah, to all of them, God says, I will be with you. Jesus tells all of us, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be with you till the end. Because that is the assurance. That's where our boldness comes from. How does God's people become fearless in a very fearful world? Is because of this incredible promise. It's a very personal promise. I will be with you. I will not leave you. And I will not forsake you. And if you have an example, right, Joshua, you saw for 40 years how I was Moses. And I saw the challenges your leader faced. And how he came through every challenge. Reason, I was with him. And I'm telling you, in the same manner, I'll be with you. Next thing he says is, three times he tells him, Be strong and of good courage. For this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. What does he say three times? Do not fear. Be bold, be bold, be bold, be bold. This is not a cakewalk. You will face fierce resistance if you stand for God's word, the truth and the word alone. You will face incredible resistance. Don't buckle under pressure. Don't be fearful. Be bold, be bold, be bold. Why? If you are bold, you will possess your inheritance. I'm promising an inheritance. That's the reason I brought you. I said I'm giving you a land. 
And Jesus is promising us an inheritance. He brought us a life. He says, be bold. You can possess that life now and the rest inheritance there, but you can possess that line. Be bold so that you possess your promised land. That is verse 6. Verse 7. Be bold to do everything that has been told. For that also you need boldness. Be bold to obey the entire law. The word. To obey the word. Be bold. Which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left. Okay, He says be very very careful. Obey, obey, obey. To the little dot. Don't turn to the left. Don't go to the right. Stick to the word. Third one. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. In verse 8, again he reiterates. What does he say? Meditate upon my word day and night. Jeremiah, what you should do? Eat my word. Digest it. Ingest it. Until that is the way you think. Until that is the way you react. Your thinking is shaped and framed by my word. And then... Speak according to that. What is that? Verse 8. Do not let it depart from your mouth. Okay. When you talk, talk according to the word. And scripture says, your success, your victory, everything is dependent upon that. Everything is dependent upon that. So God is telling through Joshua and to us, this is the way victory is assured. But it all begins with his presence. Okay, all it promises, I'll be with you, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. But one thing he tells him three times is, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Be bold, be bold, be bold, be bold. Because you will face resistance in this world. Don't be afraid. And you need to realize, God has said one thing in the Bible, that perfect love Cast away all fear. This is this love for God. Why do we come to the study of the word of God? To know God. Because you cannot love somebody you do not know. And you will not be interested to know somebody you do not love. You cannot love somebody you do not know. And you don't want to know somebody you do not love. Please remember this. And the more you love God, the more fearless you will become. Because that is the nature of love for God. The love he puts in your heart. Let us move further. Okay? God, we have heard this before, we hear it again. God overall divides the whole world into two categories. Those who believe him and those who do not believe in him. Therefore he calls them those who gather with him and those who scatter. Those who obey him, those who don't obey him. He calls them sheep and he calls them goats. And from the beginning, how he divides, he divides using his word. From the beginning, he causes division with his word. If you look, go to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 3 and 4, the Lord said, what did he do? He said, he spoke. His word. Let there be light. And God saw the light that it was good and God divided the light from the... 
using his word, his spoken word, he speaks and he divides. He speaks and he divides. Light from the darkness. He uses his word to divide. Next. Yeah, that's enough. Okay. The next you will see again, divides the waters. He speaks and he divides. Okay. From the beginning, that is this whole universe that we see. Down to the macro level, the individual to the family, he uses the word to divide. Let's look. Matthew 10, verse 34 and 35. Do not think that I have come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. He says, I have, to, I have come to bring a division. And he says, it will start in the home. I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. He says, as soon as the word comes, you shall be divided. The word will be divided. Are you getting it? And it happens. Who, whoever receives the word immediately has to make a decision which way to go. And it doesn't matter in a house whether it is the father or the mother. Godly man, godly woman, both married for 20 years. Okay? And after 20 years, the woman becomes pregnant. Her name is Rebecca. She goes to the Lord and says, Lord, there's something happening in my womb. What is it? And God says, there are two nations. And the younger one is chosen, not the elder. Who is chosen? Younger, not the elder. As soon as the baby is, babies are born, the mother separates herself to the younger one while the father goes with the elder one. You know that? That's where the fall of Isaac begins because when he had to separate, he separated with the flesh and not with the spirit. It happens in all families. It happens with all of you. Show me who your friends are, I will tell you who you are. And if you are a father or a mother, tell me which child you like better, with whom you are more comfortable, I will tell you who you are. In the church, in the office, let me tell you, you choose according to the word. It is dividing you without you even realizing you are being divided towards the flesh or towards the spirit. That's how you test the word. How do I, how am I making my choices? How am I making my choices? And God says, my word is going forth and dividing light from darkness. And if you are dark, you will choose darkness. If you are light, you will choose the company of light. Nobody has to do one thing at all. Everybody is being divided. Are we getting it? Joshua 1.8, God tells him, right? This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate upon it day and night. Be careful that you obey, observe to do, According to all, all, not some, all. Okay. The problem is we'll go like King Saul and said, I obeyed. So the word of God in the Bible, the word of God is called by many names. It is called light. My word is light. The entrance of your, my word brings light. Your word is a light. Your word is a lamp. It's called light. It's called a hammer, not a hammock. A hammer breaks down. It's called fire. 
It's called water. Cleansing by the washing of water by the word. You are clean because of the word, Jesus tells his disciples. It's called spirit. My word is spirit. It is called life. And in so many parables, it is called seed. Many parables. Parable of the sower, the parable of the tares. It is called seed. God uses the word as seed. And the soil can be the soil of belief or unbelief. When God mentions seed the first time, okay, if you remember last Sunday, Brother Cyril talked about the law of first mention. Okay, law of first mention. First time it is mentioned. The first time in Genesis chapter 1. The Lord said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and fruit tree that yields fruit according to his kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, the tree that yields fruit whose seed is in itself according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. So God set a law in motion. What is the law he set in motion? Seed will only produce according to its kind. You plant oranges, you get only orange. You don't get apples. And if the word is a seed, and he calls it a seed, words produce according to its kind. Words produce according to its kind. Your heart, my heart, everybody's heart, mind, ears is receiving God's word, which is a seed. How do you know? Because it will produce according to its kind. What is that it produces? If God's word has found a good seed, it produces faith. On the other hand, all words are seeds. Not just God's words. Every word is a seed. If it falls on a fertile ground of unbelief, it will produce unbelief. And each will produce its own corresponding actions. That is called the fruit. That's why he said the tree is known by its fruit. But you want to change the fruit, change the seed. Like I said, if it is not God's word, it will produce according to its kind. It will produce unbelief. It will produce rebellion. Ultimately, it will produce destruction. So if you look at the first generation Israel, they saw incredible experiences, the mighty, mighty power of God, the first generation. It was to them actually, everything was given. The law, the testimony, everything was given to the first generation. But, they did not do anything God told them to do. Look at words, Psalm 78 is a microsome of what happened with the first generation. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. So it was given to the fathers. The law was given. Okay, the word of God was given. The seed was given. This was given to them. And verse 8. 
He tells them, second generation, that they may not be like their fathers, a stubborn and a rebellious generation. Stubborn and a rebellious generation. A generation that did not set its heart aright, whose spirit was not faithful to God. They were given the word, but the heart was not right. They wouldn't obey, they wouldn't listen, and they became a rebellious generation. Okay, they became a rebellion generation. And if you go to 19 to 22, you will see whatever God did, this is their response. Yes, they spoke against. They spoke. They spoke against God. They said, can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Behold, he struck the rock so that the waters gushed out and the streams overflowed. What did they say? Can he bread also? Can he provide meat for the people? If you look at the words of people, you will realize what the seed is. That the word hasn't birthed anything in them. It's all unbelief. It's all, everything that they are saying is unbelief. The word of God, the law of God, the miracles of God, the signs and wonders, everything has been given to them. You can give everything to a person, but if the heart, the soil is framed in unbelief and all the testimonies of Egypt, then it will only produce unbelief. How do you know? Listen to their words. That's why he's telling Joshua, one generation when, second generation, meditate upon my word day and night, meditate upon my word day and night, do not let it depart from your mouth. Be careful about what you say. Be very careful about what you say. In verse 32 and 33, therefore the Lord, what was that? No. Law, Lord, heard this. It's not what you do first, what he listens, what you say first. He heard this. He heard this. He heard this. And he was furious. He heard this. And he was furious. And in spite of This did not believe, therefore their days he consumed in futility and their years in fear. Unbelief and fear go together. Faith and boldness go together. Please remember. Heart of unbelief, disobedience, rebellion. Like I said, your heart is not neutral. There are two kinds of seed which are being sown day in and day out. One is called wheat, the other is called tares. One is the word of God and the other is everything else. Please remember, not only God, the devil too is a farmer. He too is a farmer. He comes and he sows. God also sows. God tries to sow seeds of belief, faith, his word. The devil tries to sow. We also sow. Because we were made in the image of God. So we cannot help being like God. So in the beginning God created heaven and earth. In the beginning God created. And how did he do it? John chapter 1 verses 1 to 3. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was. So how did God do everything? By speaking. 
How did he do? By speaking. All things were created by him, through him, and for him. Do you remember? No, you don't remember. Because when you come to the house of God, you should remember what you heard. That's the first statement Brother Cyril made last Sunday when he began preaching. All things were made by him, through him, and for him. We like by him and through him. We don't like for him. Because then we have no space there. Our issue is not by him. Our issue is not through him. And after that, we want him to say for you. By him, for him, through him. But how? Through words. All creatures were created on the fifth and the sixth day according to its kind. He just spoke. He said, let it come according to its kind. But not man. Man was created in the image and the likeness of God. And he was given dominion over everything that was created. Now he asked me this question, how does man exercise dominion? By the words of his mouth. That's why the animals were brought to Adam and Adam named them. Adam named them. Dominion. You are a lion. You are a tiger. You are a donkey. <laughs> Who named them? Adam named them. Who was given dominion? Adam was given. Adam named them. Only after that, a woman was made. And he named the woman. After rebellion, fall, Genesis chapter 4 verse 1 says, Adam knew his wife. She brought their son and she named him. Took over dominion. Rebellion, stubbornness, idolatry has come over. Jacob did not name any of his sons except Benjamin. The women named them. Understand how it works. The kingdom of God works, how things works. And look at it and look into your hearts and say, Lord, help me to understand how dominion works, how words work, how it is through words we establish your kingdom. That is why it is through the foolishness of preaching the kingdom of God is established. That is why God says in Proverbs 18 and verse 21. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. And those who love it, will eat it. Whatever you like it. You can choose your fruit. You like death? Speak death. You like life? Speak life. You can pick your fruit. And everybody is picking their fruit. Deuteronomy 30 verses 11 to 15. For this commandment which I command you today is not too mysterious for you. Remember this is what Romans 8.10 Paul will pick up. The Holy Spirit will give him. And he goes straight back to Deuteronomy and picks it and puts it in terms of salvation. But if you only look at it in terms of salvation you are missing the point. Because it's not just talking about salvation. It is talking about the whole life of man. I commandment, I give it to you. Nor is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it, hear it and do it. Then, nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. Remember, always hearing comes first. Hear it and do it. Okay? But the word is very near you. What is near you? The word is very near you. In your mouth, in your heart. That you may do it. 
The word is very near you. And verse 15, see I have said before you today life and good, death and evil. Okay? And in verse 19, God goes across and says, I call heaven and earth as witness today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. But where is it? It's in what you speak. The word. What you speak. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Why is he calling heaven and earth? What? Moons and stars? No. The fallen angel and the other angel. All angel, angelic hosts are witnesses. And depending upon how you speak, the demons are activated. Because you give them legal right to act in your life with your own words. Because God says you will live or die by your word. Life and death is in your word. Jesus put it this way. In Luke 6 and verse 45. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. While the evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. He's a good man has deposited the word of God in his heart. And out of that abundance, he speaks according to the word. The other man has heard everything else and has deposited all that into his heart. And he speaks according to that. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So to the second generation, God is telling them, Joshua, meditate upon my word day and night. Obey my word. Speak my word. Remember, you are choosing life or death. Meditate upon my word. Second, most important, obey my word. Third, speak according to my word. And words... Whether it is a truth or a lie, both are words. Okay? Both are words. Whether it is true or whether it is false, it is words. And devil is called the father of lies. And Jesus is called, or God is called the father of truth. Jesus said, I have come to give you life. And Jesus said, the devil comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. Okay? How does he kill? How does he kill? With words. We speak. He doesn't have dominion. We have dominion. But we give him dominion by the words we speak. That was all of last Sunday's. How he comes and makes us doubt and question what God has spoken. First, unbelief. Then rebellion. Then death. Are you getting it? So you have your Bible with you? This is my Bible. This is an app. You can use it. But you don't live on it. Because the masters of the universe, as they call themselves, Google and all, is getting a generation hooked to apps. And one day all these apps and technology will disappear and you will be stuck without any written word. Get this, a copy of this, read, a copy of this, technology is good, use it, but this is the word. This is the word. And hide it in your heart. What you hear, what you see, what you believe matters because it will show in your mouth. It's in old days, not like today's. Today's is terrible. If you go to a hospital today, every test they will tell you, scan you out of this world. <laughs> old days, old days when we were young, one, you never fell ill. 
Because you never have never had to worry about water or food. You poured, took water from the well and you drank it like this. You never fell ill. Today with every technology, you still that water is contaminated. Right? Like, you no, know, aqua guard doesn't work. The fellow comes after two days. And when you tell him, why are you late? He says, there were so many complaints. I tell my wife, you should have told him, that means your product is defective. If you have so many complaints. But those days, people, we never fell ill. But if you fell ill, it was an event. Okay? And the event manager was that doctor. He was called, he had a what is called LMS degree, right? Old, this thing, no? They were not MBBS. They had something else, okay? Nice old people. What they did was, when you go to them, they will say, stick your tongue. That's all they wanted. Stick your tongue out and they will write, go there, drink this and go. And you were well. Because he knew by looking at your tongue, the state of your health. That's exactly what God says. Check your words. You will know whether you believe or not. Whether you believe or not. Check what you speak. Record yourself for 24 hours and listen to yourself and repent. (laughs) Remember those 12 spies, the majority report as we call it today? When 10 of them spoke, it fell on fertile ground. Because you had an entire community of fathers, the older generation, unbelieving fellows and ladies. All, fathers and mothers, all of them, unbelieving. And they fell on their hearts. And you see the response in Numbers 14 verses 1 to 4. All the congregation lifted up their voices and cried. And the people wept. And all the children of complaint against Moses and Aaron. Then the whole congregation said, listen to what they say. Then you will know what is happening. If only we had died in the land of... The rest we don't need to read, we know. If only we had died. Moses is sent to Egypt and when Moses does the miracles before the elders and tells the Pharaoh, the Pharaoh says, oh you guys are all very lazy. Oh, you have, you want to go on a vacation, three day vacation. That means you are very free. I'll give you more work. So he tells them, make bricks without Listen to the response of the people who had bowed down before Moses and thanked God when he had shown the signs to them in Exodus 5. And they said to them, let the Lord look on you and judge because you have made us abhorrent in the sight of Pharaohs, in the sight of his servants to put a sword in their hand to kill us. Did he say, what are they saying? Kill us. How many months we do not took? Ten plagues. They are out and they come, Pharaoh comes behind them. 14 and verse 11. And they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us to, die in the wilderness. They go into the desert, comes through Red Sea, goes into the desert, there is no water, there is no food. 16 verse 3. The children of Israel said to them, oh that we had died. Do you know what they are speaking every time? They are speaking death and they got it. They got it. 17 verse 3. And the people thirst there for water and the people complain against Moses. And why is it that you have brought us up out of Egypt to kill us? And our children. God said, no, your children did not say that. So they will live. You will die. You will die. They only saw death. 
they only spoke death. And they received what they spoke. That's the word. The word they heard, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 2 says, Indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. There's no difference in the gospel. Israel is my firstborn. Let him go that he may serve me. That's exactly what God says. In Christ, you are my firstborn. Get out of this world and serve me. There's no difference between the gospel preached to them and preached to us. Here we are told to live in the world and serve him. There they were told to get out of Egypt and serve him. It's the same gospel. But what they heard did not profit them because it was not mixed with faith. The ground was a ground of unbelief. Absolute total unbelief. So it did not profit them. And if our hearts are also unbelief, it won't profit us. What will be ultimately received? Death. So that's what he's asking Jeremiah. You ate my word. What do you see? How do you see? Has this word made any difference in your life? In how you see life? How do you see? When all these things are happening, how do you see? That the government has like emptied the reserve bank. Emptied. Now they're trying to kick start the You can kick as much as you want. It will only start if heaven orders. Every economy in the world. I'm telling you, you can do whatever you want, but if God has decided this is the only way to bring a nation or nations, humble them, then nothing is going to kick started. It's not in the hands of economic experts. It is the hand. The kingdom of God rules over the nations of this world. So, when these things happen, how do you react? Have you eaten the word enough to see? Two salesmen, they said, were sent to a third world nation. Two competing shoe company salesmen. Both landed up in this country. It's a third world, very poor. I don't call it poor, but backward, whatever you want to use, terms you want to use. And when that one company fellow reached over there, he looked and he found nobody wears footwear here. Everybody walks barefoot. They don't wear footwear here. So he sent a message back to his company headquarters. No chance here. Nobody wears footwear. The second fellow also came over here. He saw the same country, the same people, and he sent a message back. Absolute, total opportunity here. Nobody has shoes. Luke chapter 21, verses 10 and 11. For indeed the gospel was preached... No, no, sorry. Yeah, Luke 21, verses 10 and 11. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes... Famines, pestilences will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. And reaction in 26. Yeah, verse 26. The reaction in all the men's heart will fail them from fear. And 28. Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift your heads because your redemption knows me. He says there are two kinds of people who will react differently to the same situation. How do you react? Which salesman are you? When you see war and famine and pestilence and death, what do you see? Do you see opportunity? In war, he is my peace. In pestilence, he is my healing. In famine, he is my provision. In death, he is my life and my resurrection. This is the opportunity to preach the gospel. And let stress forth your hand, O Lord, with signs and wonders that they will know God rules over heaven. How do you see? 
when dark clouds gathers around this nation and around the world how do you see you see opportunity or you see doors being shut how do you pray because your prayer life will change depending upon how you see the first church when things got dark and gloomy went in and asked the lord give us even more boldness and stretch forth your hands with signs and wonders and god answered the prayer he says guys that's the kind of prayer i want how do you believe for yourself personally in the midst of that's why the records in the bible are all there so that we see them and you will say lord i believe you have never changed you will never change you are the same yesterday today and forever in the midst of an incredibly god ordained famine the widow of zarephath who opened a heart to the words of elijah and a home to elijah she experienced provision all the days of famine she experienced healing in her home she experienced resurrection in her home because in the midst of the famine she just opened her house to the word of god that's all she did but that's not how she began like i said the fear of death is worse than death itself a coward dies a thousand times before he really dies it's a spirit the fear of lack the fear of poverty is worse than poverty itself and even rich people are gripped by the spirit of poverty that's why they don't give your richness is not by how much you have accumulated how much of your life you have given to god and people are very very spiritually the spirit of poverty has gripped people within the church around the world they don't give their lives to god they don't even give their children to god they dedicate the children for the world because they are afraid that god cannot be trusted to provide for them if they surrender their child to god it's a spirit of poverty and that's how she started when he came and when he asked she said no i have only this much flour and this much oil we are going to make two cakes and we are going to eat and die that's the spirit of poverty you only see death and the lady is saying god has not sent me into your life into your home to speak like death i have come to speak life And Jesus said I have did not come to bring death I came to bring you life but to receive that life you have to change you have to believe you have to look into the word of God and change your entire thinking and entire vocabulary what you speak what you believe because out of the abundance of the heart out of she could only speak death she could only speak death now she they are eating they are both eating very well all three are eating then one day her son gets ill and gets worse and she dies he dies now what she said what what do you have against me man of god did you come here to remind me of my sin and kill my son look at her words she could believe now for provision she could not believe for life See belief has to percolate into every area. You may believe for one thing and be controlled by unbelief in another area. It has to break. That's why God says my word is a hammer. Every wall of unbelief it will break if you believe. I'll break it. I will destroy it so that you can believe. And when she gets her son back from the dead, her testimony and her confession changes. You know what she says? The last verse in 1st Kings 17. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. Now I know. Now I know. It is truth. 
Please remember, each will produce its own kind. Faith will produce more faith. Unbelief will produce more unbelief. Both faith and unbelief are expressed in words. Devil's first tactic is to create unbelief in what God has already said. God has already said. And then he will create fear once you swallow that. So God said, if you eat, you will surely die. He comes and creates unbelief. And once they have eaten, they are terrified. The man heard the footsteps of the Lord with whom he had been fellowshipping intimately all these days. The first thing he does is covering in fear. Why? First he deceives you to receive his lie. And after that, he controls your life through fear. Through fear. That's how he controlled 16 months David's life and for many months later and made him do abominable things. It was not what he did. It was fear that made him do those, those things. Fear, intimidation is the weapon of the enemy. And you always have to identify intimidation. Intimidation, spouses, parents with children have to understand intimidation and don't give in to intimidation because intimidation is not of God, it is of the devil. Because if you give in to intimidation, you will back off. You will back off. They will intimidate you. All forms of intimidations are there even in intimate relationship and parental children relationship. If you don't give me what I want, I'm not going to school tomorrow. I'm not getting up. I'm not doing this thing. And you are all intimidated. What if he really means what he says and he walks away? Who will I have? You must say pack and go and leave that stuff there that also I bought for you. <laughs> Never get intimidated. Never because that's a tactic. You need, that's why Jesus always looked at the force behind a person's words and says, get behind me, Satan. You don't have the will of God over here. Because a man can be used with his words one minute by God to give a revelation, second minute by the devil to cancel it out. And God it should have the discernment to see the difference and address the forces behind it. And don't mollycoddle intimidation because intimidation is from the devil. Know these things. But how you do it, do it wisely. Don't tell your husband, get behind me, Satan. You may run into trouble. Okay. <laughs> okay. Or your wife. <laughs> she may serve you in a plate. Turn to the, what Paul quoted, quoted from Deuteronomy. Let's look at it in Romans and listen and read scripture carefully. Should always read scripture carefully. Okay, very carefully. I'm teaching. Somebody asked me, teach how to study the Bible. First, know your text. Generally read. After that, use a microscope. Then use an electron microscope and go like that. You will understand. Before we go over there, I'll give you a simple, simple one-line study of how Things can change if you read the word of God carefully. That is uh, James chapter 5, verse 13 and 14. Okay, James chapter 5, it was not part, it just come, came into my mind. Now I'm not claiming the Holy Spirit put it over there. It is the word of God he may have or it might be out of my own memory. Is anyone among you suffering? 
Let him pray. Let's not go to 14 right now, okay? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Did you read scripture? Read scripture? Let me ask you this simple question. If, Jyoti, if you are happy because your result is got good and you got admission, did you tell Hepsiba to sing? Will you tell Hepsiba to sing? No. You will sing, right? So if you are in trouble, will you tell Hepsiba to pray? Why do you accept one and immediately following it, another one you practice and you avoid the other one? Everybody who's in trouble is calling somebody else to pray for their trouble, but when they are happy, they sing. Did you see how scripture is? If you are in trouble, let him pray. If you are happy, you sing. The next verse. If anyone among you is sick, let him call. I don't call. You call. You don't call, I will pray. Because this is scripture. I am cannot exalt myself above scripture. If you are in trouble, you pray. If you are happy, you sing. If you are sick, you call. That's how you study the Bible. And say, Lord, this is the way you have said, this is what I will practice. I am not saying that after you have prayed, you cannot ask others to pray for you. But first you have to pray. You don't outsource your trouble. You don't outsource yourself. I know it's an age of outsourcing, but it doesn't work in the kingdom of God. You have to go by scripture. Okay, let's go to Romans 10, verses 8 to 10. But what does it say? What does it say? The word is near you. Very near you. Where is it near? It's in your mouth. And in your heart. What is that? That is the word of faith which we preach. The word of faith we preach. How is this word of faith experience. It is near you, it's in your mouth and in your heart. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now he is through the Holy Spirit is going straight back to Deuteronomy which is a general application of all life and tuning it specific to your salvation. So that doesn't mean this cancels that out. Only thing this is an application of this. You shall be saved. And verse 10, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confinished made unto salvation. Did you notice something? In verse 8, mouth is mentioned first, and heart later. In verse 10, heart is mentioned first, and mouth is mentioned later. Which is true. Both. Do you know why we believe a lie? Because we repeat it over and over and over again. After some time we start believing. Right? That's what the government does. Controlling the media and telling you what they want you to believe. Over and over and over and over you hear and you pass it on. And after some times you believe. All Kashmiris are bad. They deserve it. All the texts I get from all my ex-friends are all that. They deserve it. 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 One entire state has been painted black. Once you repeat a lie over and over and over and again, you start believing. The same way. Once you speak a truth over and over and over again, it gets deep in your heart and you believe it. The way is the same. There's no other way. It's in your mouth, 
It's in your heart. You speak it, you speak it, goes in, and you believe it. God is good? All the time. Many of you actually start believing God is good all the time because we keep saying all the time God is good. It's very close to you. In your mouth? In your heart. Then turns it around. It's very close to you. In your heart? In your mouth. That's what God is telling Joshua. Joshua, young man, meditate upon my word day and night and do not let it depart from your mouth. You will be undefeatable. The devil can't do anything to you because your heart is grounded in the truth and you see clearly and you speak according to the word. Not according to your feelings. But what happens? We repeat something over and over and over and over and 90% of the world is walking like victims. We are all victims. We are all victims. God says you are more than a conqueror. How can you be a victim in your heart, a conqueror outside? It's not possible. It's not possible. Both are not possible. And if you believe in both, you get nothing from God because God made very clearly in his scripture, the double-minded man receives nothing from him. Meditate, obey, speak. See, the issue is that, okay, I was talking to Pastor Vijay, we were sitting and talking. I told Pastor Vijay, one of the things which you have to do is never negate any preacher or any preaching. Because no preacher can sell you a lie, ultimate full lie. If something is catching like wildfire, you need to realize there is something very true in it. But where do they? They add something that is dangerous. So word of faith movement, is it true? Of course it is true. Is it fully true? No. Why they don't focus on the middle part, on obedience. They take God and the obedience of God, the presence of God and obedience to God out and they basically come and teach you, you can speak and have what you want. That's the dangerous part. It is not a full lie. A full total lie is more dangerous, no, is less dangerous than half a lie. Total lie, everybody will reject. Nobody will accept. That is the danger of it. This is the order of God for man, especially for the saved man. Faith comes from and hearing from the word of God. And once you have heard, absolutely surrender to what you know. Absolutely surrender to. You know in John 1, 1 in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was and John 1, 14, the word became and dwelt. What do you see? You see the word walking. That's what I'm seeing. Absolute words walking. But did you see Hebrews 10 and verse 7? The other side of it, behold, I have come in the volume of the book it is written to do your will. Absolute, the word of God walking. What you don't see is that word of God is absolutely surrendered to the will of the Father. I will not do one thing outside your will. I will not do. So God says, I can fill you to the X degree with my, without measure with my spirit. Because you are fully word, fully surrendered, have my spirit in its fullness. And that was a strange man who walked on earth. You know why? Because he spoke to demons and cast them out. He spoke to trees and they dried. 
He spoke to the sea and they became calm. He spoke to the wind and it became still. He spoke to the dead, recent dead, Tabitha Kong, get up. He spoke to the dead, four days old, Lazarus come out. He was a man who spoke and things happened. And he didn't do anything else other than speak. He spoke. He spoke. That's the way God created man. He said, in my image and in my likeness, every religion or non-religious ideology traps and holds men in bondage through the power of word. Why do you think the devout Hindu gets up early in the morning and starts using his mantras because he knows there is power in it? Why do you think the Muslim early in the morning starts with a confession because he knows there is power in that word? Why do you think the Buddhists are going around turning their Buddhist chants? Every religion has got chants, you know that. And Catholicism binds their millions and millions of followers using the rosary and binding them to a woman and not to the savior. The power of the word. The communists had their books and the Maoists had their little red books. Everybody is bound by the word. Everybody. Anything you believe, you are bound by what you believe. And it is in terms of word. And salvation, freedom begins with the word. I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth. He is Lord. He died for my sin. He was raised for my salvation. I repent. I believe. It is the beginning of salvation. Again with words which you believed and which you spoke. Everybody is trapped with words. Because that's the power of words. No animal chance. No animal is trapped with words. They don't speak. They have no words. Only us. God said, that's the way I made you. I created you in my image. You can use it for your glory, your blessing, or you can use it for your curse. You can bring forth life, or you can bring forth death. You can. Can we have some practical application? Because everything has to be practical, right? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14 onwards. Everybody knows this, you know? First, go back early. You don't have to go back early, but read it carefully. Above all, be in the might and the power of God. All that is connected with God. Don't do anything on your own. But let's look over here. Okay? Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The first three things in this list, God will say, put on, put on, put on. The next three things he will say, take, take, take. Okay, read carefully. Okay, carefully. Don't try to put on what you have to take. Don't try to take what you have to put on. Okay, put on truth. Put on Righteousness. Put on the gospel. Do you know all three is the word? Father, sanctify them from with your word. Your word is truth. Righteousness that comes by faith. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word. The gospel of peace is the word. All three is the word. God says put on, put on, put on. Okay. Now, does that mean that you put it on here and when you go home, you take it off? What it say? You change your night dress? Why do we take it off? Why does he keep saying putting it on? He says you keep on putting it on, putting it on, putting it on until it become a part of you. Put on, put on, put on, put on, put on. Don't take it off. 
Put on. Keep on putting it. Because this is spiritual in nature. This is not physical in nature. So keep on putting it on, putting it on, putting it on, putting it on. So you become like, remember that guy, what was his name? It, no, Ido. Son of, what was his name? Son of Dodo. His hand clave to the sword. Aunt, yeah. Eliezer, the son of Dodo, like his hand clave to the sword until the word has become you. It has become, you are framed now by the word. Let's leave that, okay? So keep putting it on until our nature is transformed into the terms of the word. Then, 16 and 17, we'll say, take, take, take. Above all, taking the shield of faith and take the helmet of salvation and Take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. First says, we'll only look at the shield of faith. Just two minutes, okay? And then we go to other stuff. Take the, above all, take the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. If you had watched, I didn't watch, but I know what happens. August 15, on the ramparts of the Red Fort, every prime minister gives his speech. If you have noticed, when he is giving the speech, all these big ones, there is one glass cubicle over there. That is not to keep the flies and the mosquitoes off. You know why that is there for? That is to keep the bullets off. It's his bulletproof protection. He can stand behind it and speak and you cannot shoot at him. That's his protection. Okay? That is his protection to keep him safe. Here God says something. What does he say? Take the shield of faith. Now, I have made that mistake. We all make that mistake. In some ways true, but not fully true. When Jesus was tested, tempted, after the 40 days fasting, before he began his ministry, the devil tempted him and said, if you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, we always use the sword of the spirit. But that's not what he was doing. What he was doing was he was using the shield of faith. Faith comes from? Hearing. And hearing from the word of God. When he said, if you are the son of God, then make these stones as the fiery dart on a hungry young man. Put up the shield of faith and said, it is written. It is written. It is written. Next temptation comes. It's written. It is written. The third temptation comes. It is written. Do you see practical way God says how we use the shield? Go to Luke 4, 3. Just one. And the devil, devil said to him, he said to him, he said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to be, come, bread. And verse 4, what did he do? Jesus answered him, say, You see, it's all words. It's all words. Out of the abundance of his heart, he spoke. He spoke. Our weapons are not carnal. They are mighty in God. To the pulling down of strongholds. We can bring every imagination, every thought, every argument to the captivity of Christ Jesus. Once he's defeated at that level, it's easier to fight. That's why I said first he tries to deceive 
And once they've fallen for the deception, then after that it is fear. Fear. That's why God comes and says, you confess. Get out of that rut. You don't have to be afraid anymore. Because otherwise he will hold you in bondage to that fear. In Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 and 15. We know it very well. In as much as then the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who? The devil. Who had the power of death? That is the devil. And how? And release those who through what? Fear of death. Fear of death. Were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Literal fear of death and fear of loss. Ultimately leading to death. So, it did not matter who it was. In the Old Testament, they were gripped by fear. The New Testament too. Until God sets you free. Fear. You can be an absolutely right man doing the right things for the wrong reason. Wrong reason. Look at an incredible man in the Bible. Let's go to verse 1 of Job 1 to 5. We will start with verse 1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And commendation resume from God. That man was blameless. When God says somebody is blameless, he is blameless. The man was upright. That means he was upright. A man who feared God and shunned evil. He was a good man. Verse 2. He had ten children, seven sons and three daughters. Verse 3, he had 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, a very large household, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. What does that mean in today? He was a good man, he had ten children, and he was a rich man. Applied. Good man, ten children, rich man. Verse 4, his children loved partying. Children loud? Party. They loud party. They loud party. The father is always worried. You'll never see that Job's wife is never worried about any of these things. He's worried. So you know who cooked for the party. Okay? They like party. And verse 5. So it was when the days of feasting had run their course, Job would send and sanctify them and he would rise up early in the morning offering burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job, Job, it's not prompted by faith, it's prompted by fear. He always feared for his children. Always feared for his children. He always feared for his children. Maybe, maybe, and he did it regularly, mean regularly in fear. And I'm sure Mr. Job and Mrs. Job, like all husbands and wives, talked. I don't know what these boys are up to. These girls too. I thought when the girls came, they would be straight. They also like partying. Forever going online booking movie tickets. Or they find a decathlon all the time. Always asking for money. I don't know what they are up to. Just, oh Lord, don't destroy my children, Lord. Don't destroy. This is the way they are going. I don't know where they are going. I'm sure they both talk like all parents. Verse 
hope God is not going to finish them off. But it came to pass. They were finished. Job never spoke against God. Bible is very clear. Bible is also very clear. If you read between the lines, he always confessed his fears. So in chapter 3 and verse 25, once all are dead, all children are dead, everything is gone, he says, for the thing I greatly feared has come upon me. It's come upon me. See, fear and faith are all manifested through the words. Through the words. Let's go to another incredible man of God called Abraham. Romans chapter 4. Yeah. Let's go from verse 18. Okay. 18 onwards. Yeah. Who contrary to hope. Okay, let's go from. I have made you father of many. As it is written, I have made you father of many nations. In the presence of him who he believed. For God gives life to the, to the dead and causes those things which do not exist as though they did. Who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. First one. There is a natural hope and there is a divine hope. The natural hope comes from natural means. So he has no natural hope. It's not happening. My wife is barren. No natural hope. But he has a supernatural hope. Where does a supernatural hope come from? From what God has spoken. So against natural hope, he hoped supernaturally. That's why I keep telling you all, you need to hear from God very clearly about yourself or about your children. So that against natural hope, you have supernatural hope. Because he has said, it will come to pass. I will hold on to it. Natural hope is not going to work in this life. Because all natural things are against us, are not for us. God is for us, the nature is against us. The world systems are against us. Everything is against us. That's why you need something that is not natural. And scripture says, verse 19, not being weak in faith. He was strong. He was becoming strong in faith. If I am weak in faith, then I'm strong in sight. If I'm weak in sight, I'm strong in faith. Okay. He was not weak in faith. He was strong in faith. And scripture says, he did not consider his own body, already dead, since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Okay? And verse 20, he did not waver. He did not waver at what? The promise of God through unbelief. How do you waver? In unbelief. But was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Are you seeing all these words? So always you need to realize, when you look at, he's able to perform what he has promised. And when the minute promise comes in, scripture has to come into your head. 2 Corinthians 1.20 What does it say? All the promises of God in him are yes and amen. The glory of God through us. Every promise is yes and amen in him. Not in me, in him. If it is for his glory, through us, it is yes and amen. 
Every promise is yes. There is no no in God's promise. Every promise is yes in him. Please remember. Okay. So you have a promise. But when you just don't go blindly like some of the word of faith preachers and claim promises because it can come true. I'm telling you, I don't negate anything they say. It does come true. It does come true. Words have power. It will destroy you. It will destroy you. Like I said, uh, can you by confession and believing become a millionaire? Yes, you can. You can. You can. You can. It will destroy you. You may end up in hell. You may end up in hell. Don't negate what they are saying. Because a lot of occult uses the same thing. Don't take things and say these things don't happen. They do happen because there is power in words, in what you believe. But never forget the purpose of promise. In Second Peter chapter two and verse chapter one and verse four, God says is exceedingly great promises, great and precious promises that through these you may be a partaker of the divine nature, divine nature. And so Jesus' nature. He was speaking, but. When we speak, be very sure you are escaping what? The corruption of the world and not partaking of the corruption of the world that through comes through lust or covetousness. Be very, very, very careful. Very, 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 very careful. Okay? Be very, very, very careful. So he was strengthened in faith. Romans 4.26 How was he strengthened in faith? Bible is very careful about it, okay, about, clear about these things. Paul plants, Apollos waters, God gives the increase. Okay? You plant a seed, you water a seed. So if you actually study the Bible, in Genesis 12, God will come and give him a promise. Through you, all nations shall be blessed. Genesis 13, after Lot has left, he again comes and adds the promise. He waters it. Genesis 15, God again comes and waters the promise. In Genesis 17, God again comes and waters the promise. In Genesis 18, he again personally comes and gives the promise. Because he's, he's showing a model with the father of faith. Seed has been planted, it has to be watered, 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 but he's strengthening him in faith. And so that he would have the nature of God who calls things that are not as if they are dead things to life. He said, your name from now is Abraham. What's your name? What is he saying? I'm the father of nations. I'm the father of nations. Are you the father of nations? Yes, I am. Where are they? It will come to pass. We don't even realize so many of you are what you are because what was spoken over you. You know, study math, okay, study math. I want you to be an engineer, 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 engineer. Finally, he's an engineer. Right? Doctor, 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 doctor. He's a doctor. It's been spoken into you. You're calling that things that are not as if they were. All. 
the sin. Mother, what is, what is, what is, what is? Right? We don't realize it's an actual reality. Or the other way. You will be nothing, you will be nothing, you will be nothing, you will be nothing, you will be nothing. Finally sitting outside doing nothing. Have you realized? The only difference is all this is happening exactly as God said. And then into the middle of people's life, God comes and says, I'm changing your life. I'm planting another seed. Elisha, prosperous farmer, God says. Change of profession. Change of profession. Another seed has been planted. Okay, please don't negate these things. These things are real. These things are real. That's why God told to parents in the book of Deuteronomy, when your children talk to them, walk with them, tie before their heads, in front of their eyes, when they go, what do you speak? You speak my word to them. Look my word out, my word, my word, my word. So their hearts are full of my word, so that be able to see through the eyes of my word and become what I want them to become. Today we don't do that. We fill them with math and physics and chemistry and biology and they become whatever they become. Just ask this question. Why was Abraham able to lift the knight over Isaac? Because by then his faith is so strengthened he know very clearly it is through Isaac the nations will come. So even if he's dead, God has to bring him back to life. Go read Hebrews 11 and you will understand that exactly what he believed. Even if he dies, he will come back. Because God's word, he's so strong in his faith, he's willing to sacrifice his son knowing that he will come back. He cannot die because he knows God's word cannot fail him anymore. Fully strengthened. Fully persuaded. That's what God is saying. Meditate, obey, speak. Keep watering. Keep watering. Keep watering. Keep watering. Look at, these are not Moses' words or Paul's words. This is God's word. Deuteronomy 32. He did, yeah. Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak. And hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. Let my teaching, that's his words, drop as the rain. My speech distill as the dew. As the raindrops on the tender herb, as the showers on the grass. How should the word come? Once the word is planted, like dew, raindrop showers. And it grows. And it grows. For I proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. This is the word of God. You cannot wish certain passages away. It is there. It is written, therefore it shall be. These are what is we call the laws of faith. Laws of faith. How do you negotiate Mark 9, 23? Whichever context you read it, how do you negotiate with that? Jesus said to him, okay, boy, take that words off. Let me ask you this question. How many of you believe all things are possible with God? All things are possible with God? Let me ask you this question. How many of you think all things are possible with him or her who believes? Both is scripture. You believe one, but you don't believe the other. Now you look at what is written. If you believe, all things are possible to him that believes. 
Now that doesn't mean he can do all things which God does. It means he can do all things which God wants him to do. Please don't misunderstand these words. It means everything that God wants you to do, you can do. All things are possible to him. See, we take one words and we believe it. All things are possible with God. And then we laugh like Sarah. When God says tomorrow, next year, this time you will have a child, she laughs. And God says, is anything too difficult for God? You cannot negotiate with verses like this. This is the power of faith. This is the power in which he walked. You don't have to do everything that God did or Moses did or Joshua did, but you have to do everything that was planned by God for you to do. And it is only possible through faith by believing. That's why I always keep saying, I will never take one word out of this word that has happened, which I will say will cannot be repeated, except the death of Jesus Christ. I believe. It doesn't happen to happen to me. Who am I to shorten God's hand with my unbelief? If another ocean has to be parted, he will do it. The rivers have to be parted, he will do it. If you have to walk on uh, water, he will do it. The power of belief, the power of faith. All you have to do is hear what God says and obey. You know, there's something in science called the placebo effect. You know what in medical science, that is why. Now, if you have, uh, let us say, Samir has this, always is ill. He has things, he's, he's got fever. He goes to Dr. Richard. And Dr. Richard prescribes in five days tablets and says, take this once a day. But it's only tapioca powder, he doesn't know. They do it. They do it. And they've done it, scientifically and proven. People just get well. Though there is no medicine in it. Because they actually believe it is medicine. When it is not medicine. When science is trying to prove faith is right. You have quantum physics, you have quantum computing, you have heard about quantum faith. They are trying scientifically to prove now that how Jesus walked and spoke things into being can be actually be scientifically proven. It is possible that God can do it. And one day science will prove the word was true. But we don't have to get to know whether we just have to do what God has asked us to do. And it is not possible without faith. And you should not shorten God's hand with your unbelief. That's why I said you cannot negotiate with these. How do you negotiate with Mark chapter 11, 22 to 24? Jesus answered and said, have faith in God. Right? For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Yeah? Verse 24. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. What do you do with verses like this? Answer my question. What do you do? Go back to verse 23. Like I said, faith and fear comes from the same mouth. And faith is the substance of things. If you have time after communion, I'll show you something. How carefully you have to read scripture. He said here, you say to this mountain. Say to this mountain. So do you speak to this mountain? Speak to this mountain. What is the mountain? Mountain of death? 
What is the mountain? God says, speak. Do you have faith in God? Is your mind saturated with the word of God? When you pray, do you believe? And speak to your mountain. And keep speaking to your mountain. You will see your mountain disappearing. Obey what God has connected with your situation. Obey what God has to. But speak. Speak. The question is, do we believe? What do you speak? What do you say? We are not denying reality. But we are lifting up God's word above our reality because saying that you have seen the end from the beginning and you said these things about me. I take the word of God, Lord, personally. Personally. Do you believe? In Matthew 12, verse 36 to 37. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will have to give account of it in the days of judgment, the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Is talking about unbelievers? No. It's about believers. Lord, why didn't all these things happen to me? He said, because you spoke it. I wanted these things to happen to you, but you spoke against it every day. You spoke against it every day. You didn't meditate upon my word. You didn't obey what my word said. And you did not speak what the word was telling you about your situation. You spoke the opposite. So that day you will be justified. Okay, Your entire life will should be shown. Why? Because things will happen in heaven where Samir's crown will be taken and put on Richard's head. And he will say, how can it happen? I went to the same church. We sat in the same row. He said, but you know what? This was meant for you. You didn't do it. I had to use him to finish it. But why did? Because this is what you said. And this is what he said. You didn't believe. He believed. You will be justified or condemned on that day. Every word. Every careless word. And I will say every careless word. Every idle word. God says words are not idle. Should not be idle. Because words have power. Because I created you in my image. I created you in my image. I put word power in your mouth. I said life and death is in the power of the tongue. That's why I keep telling the church, yes, you have to do the obey the laws of God connected with eating everything. And then go beyond that and believe because everything is poisonous in these last days. Even if I take poison, it will not harm me. Faith. And then confess. You are, you are the Lord my God. Who healeth me. The God who forgives all my iniquities. Therefore I will regularly confess. And come under the blood. And heals all my diseases. You sent forth your word. And healed me of your diseases. And I shall walk from faith to faith to faith. And as I grow in righteousness. It is written the son of righteousness. Shall rise over me with healing under his wings. I take your word literally for me. O Lord. Why? Because you said body for the Lord. The Lord for the body. This body is set apart for me. Use me. I will grow weaker as you. And I will all grow weaker. But Lord till the last day. Use this body for your glory. I am not without any reason which doesn't glorify you receive sickness into my body because I need to serve you. Your faith will show in your confession. 
Job's problem was not with his problem. His entire dialogue with God is, where did I go wrong? Where did I go wrong? Why has this happened to me? Where did I go wrong? Where did I go wrong? Did I do this? Did I do this? Did I do this? Did I do this? Through it all, he's testing. Lord, I walked according to your word. I know I'm a man of integrity. I didn't sin. I didn't sin with my eyes. I didn't sin with my ears. I didn't sin with my mouth. I didn't. Lord, why is this happening? That's his question. That's his question. Because things should not happen to us other than for the sake of righteousness. If your marriage breaks up, let it break for righteousness sake. Not because you are a good for nothing fellow. For righteousness sake. If your children rebel and leave the house, let it be for righteousness sake. Let it be for righteousness sake. God says when these things happen to you for righteousness sake, rejoice and be exceedingly glad for that yours is the kingdom of God. Yes, all kind of terrible things will happen to good people, but let it because let it be because of the kingdom and not because of other things. Because the Bible is very clear. Other things when it happened, repent, if it is sin, the consequences will pass over. Will pass over if it can be stopped with you. But otherwise, we are in a battle for the kingdom because the days are coming in God wants everybody on the deck to fight this battle. And only fearless people can fight this battle. And God says, be careful about what you believe and what you say. Don't open your mouth and receive all the junk the enemy has prepared for you. Enemy has prepared a table for you. God has also prepared a table for you. And you open with your mouth and receive from one table or the other table and say, Lord, I will not receive. I will not receive. I will not receive. I will not receive, Lord. So this morning as we come to the communion, come. I would like the elders to come, the worship team to quickly come. And uh, now we don't even have to fear about the second service so we can take our our sweet merry time. I have no issues keeping you for four hours also. Because I know the word of God says Sabbath is to be kept apart for God holy. You are not supposed to do anything, not even shopping. So I have no guilt about all this thing. Even if your face is long, I have no problems. I shall go by the word. And if you feel sleepy, you can put in a request. Maybe we may provide you pillows. Come leaders, worship team, come Vijay, come. Yeah, Dr. Dano, come. Anybody else who is there? Oh, Johnson is here. Oh, wow, I didn't see. Yeah, Brother Cyril, come, come, come. No, please hold them. Let's uh, hold this table. Like Elijah on Mount Carmel, this is the kingdom of God is in a power encounter. Nothing else will work in these days and all days when the kingdom of the devil manifests with so much power. We have the word and we have the power of God. But like so many who were destroyed because they turned that power and the word for their selfish ends, don't do it. But like God, remember, he speaks and things come into being. He looked at a fearful man covering 
in a wine press looked at him and calls things that were not as if they were Gideon mighty man of god and that's what he ultimately became that's what god says when the word of god comes into your heart and you meditate upon it day and night you will start seeing things through my eyes then you need to speak it out shall we pray father this morning we just come to you lord it is by faith we come to your table your word says so lord if we judge ourselves and we partake of this table we will be strong we will be spiritually awake and we will have life if one is true the other is true too and we receive it by faith that as we partake of the emblems of your body and your blood that we will be strengthened and there will be a quickening in our in our man in our spirit man and oh father we will receive more of your life in us lord we believe father therefore we speak bless your people each one of us as we partake of this lord for in jesus name we pray amen please hold the bread and the cup when it comes to you and we shall partake of it together you have to get this into your heart and from your heart to your mouth and from your mouth to your heart you look at illustrations and you understand how the kingdom of god works in luke chapter 17 and verses 1 to 
Luke chapter 17 and verses 1 to 6. Then he said to disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. Meaning it is impossible that nobody upsets you and hurts you and says things. So don't think like a perfect world is not here. It is in the coming world. It is going to happen. Okay, even in church and more in church. Okay, because in church everybody expect you are sanctified. Okay, so, but if it's connected with little ones, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than he should offend one of these little ones. Now let's go further. Interesting. Take heed to yourself. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. But if he repents, forgive him. But if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. And the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a master, see. If you have faith as a master, see. And what happens if you have faith in a mustard seed? You put it in your curry? No. You say. You say. You speak. Faith is always spoken. Spoken. You say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the root and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. See, that's what I said. When you read scripture, you should be very, very, very clear. Jesus is going to Jerusalem. He sees a fig tree. He looks for fruit. There's no fruit. He curses it. And he goes. He comes back and Peter looks and says, It's dried. He says, Lord, it's dried. Root upwards. He said, if you have faith, let's go there. So that you see the difference. Okay. Mark chapter 11, verses 22. Keep. You have to come back here also. Okay. Mark chapter 11, verses 22 to 24. This is what he is saying. Okay. And Jesus answered and said, Faith, have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, whoever say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Context, what he is saying. Everything is saying. Everything has got to do with saying here. Okay, Actions are there, obedience is there, but we are not looking at the obedience. We have heard enough about obedience but for 11 years. Now let us say something. He's, Jesus is looking for fruit. And there is no fruit. So what did he say? He curses it. It dries up. And when they ask him, he said, you should speak to this mountain that it be cast into the sea. So you have to look into your lives and identify areas which is not making you fruitful for God. Because it is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit. And there are a lot of stuff in our lives which is not making us fruitful. And says, I command you in the name of Jesus, be cast down. Sink like a rock in the sea and don't come back into my life. Keep saying it and do what you have to do, but keep saying it. If it is financial debt, it's a mountain. It's fear, it's a mountain. There are lots of things that stops you from being fruitful in the, in the kingdom of God. And you are called to bear fruit. Those things have to be cast into the sea. And don't doubt. Keep on doing it. 
And don't doubt, it will come to pass. Why? Because what I am doing is according to the will of God. I want to be fruitful. It is to my father's glory that I bear much fruit. Who said? He said so. So that when he comes, he should find fruit in my life. Because you said so, Lord, a tree is known by its fruit. Okay? You got that? So identify and speak and obey. Now, in Luke 17, what you saw was something else. This has got to do with forgiveness. He said, how many times, Lord? Seven times? Jesus said, no, go further down. Jesus said, uh, yeah, go to verse 4. He said, I repent, you shall forgive him. If he keeps on seven times, no, if he repents. Immediately when it came to forgiveness, they all said, increase her. Increase our faith. Now look to what Jesus says in verse 6. Now he compares unforgiveness not to a mountain. It is to a tree. Listen, compare it to. He said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be ah, not cast. Because if you cast a tree into the sea, it will come back. It will come back. Your bitterness will come back. Your unforgiveness will come back. Be planted in the sea. You will not come back. Other one, be cast down. You be planted. Read scripture carefully. Pastor, are you into your stretching imagination? No. Hebrews 12 and verse 15. Because this has got to do with unforgiveness and bitterness in the hearts of people. They carry it for years and years and years and years. Kills them. Looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness. It's a root. It's a tree. It's a tree. Killing people. Poisoning their entire life. And God says, you know what? How you deal with issues are differently. To those mountains that stop you from becoming fruitful in the kingdom of God. Obey God and keep speaking to it. When you are upset with somebody and this thing, you speak to that and say, I command you, you spirit of bitterness, you go down to the bottom of sea and plant it. I choose to love and not to be bitter. I choose to forgive. I choose to forgive. I am not going to carry this load around in my head because I have got something else to do. And if the person doesn't repent, leave it alone. How does it bother you? How does it bother you? You move ahead with your life. Because people get trapped. And you're all trapped by your words. I can never forgive him. God says, oh, oh my, my child again opened her mouth and put her foot in. Most of us have foot and mouth disease. The devil is Talia and Talia. That's exactly what I wanted to say. I can never get over it. Who told you? The power of words. Because the more you say, the more you believe. The more you believe, you are free or you are in bondage. Depending upon what you believed and what you said. Because there is power in words. Power in words. Matthew chapter 8. As I close. Or maybe if I close. Because today is about hearing and speaking, right? Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. 
And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be. What did he say? Speak a word. You don't have to come. You don't have to come. Why? Why does he say that? Look at the next verse. Yeah. I am also a man of under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servants, do this, and he does. He says, you see, I'm a man under authority. You see who I am? I'm a Roman centurion. You know where I am? A thousand miles from A thousand miles away from home. You know why? Because words were spoken to me. Go. And I went. I have men, hundred men under my authority. When I tell them go, they go. And they say come, they come. And I see you are a man under authority. And a man of authority. So if healing will work, it will work with words. You just have to speak the word. You don't have to come. It is in that context Jesus heard it and he said, Woo! This guy understands how faith works. All Israel, I didn't find, I, I didn't find anybody with such great faith. Which is true. He says, this guy understands how God's kingdom works. It works with words. It works with words. You don't have to come. You don't have to come and lay hands. You just have to speak the word. If it will work with the laying of hands, it will also work with the speaking of the word. Because both is there in the scripture. Lay hands upon the sick, they shall be healed. I send forth my word and healed you of your diseases. Both has happened. And I believe you don't have to come. Why waste your time? Heal a few here, the others who don't have faith. You don't have to come. See the power of word? You just have to speak the word. Think about it, if believers all actually believed like the Roman centurion, how much would time and resources would be saved? You don't have to come to my home. Just just speak the word. Just speak the word. I believe. Kingdom resources can be utilized for actually reaching out to the unreached. While the resources are being all utilized to reach the reached. Because they don't believe. He is a military man. He understands authority. Understands authority. And that's what God is talking about. I want to give you power. But before I can give you power, I want you to understand authority. Get this into your heart and your mind. This is the authority of God. Then I can use your words. Power without authority is terrible. That's why he says, I am a man under authority. So understand how power works. We want power without coming under authority. Look at First Kings chapter 17 and verse 1. What words? What a word. Of an unknown man suddenly stepping into human history. Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to the king, Ahab is the king. As the Lord of Israel lives before whom I? He said that's my reality. I'm standing always before God. That's how I live. Before whom I stand. There shall not be dew, nor rain, this year, except at? And not his word, my word. Because has become one. Has become one. At my word. At my word. It will not happen here. Until at my word. 
Who told you? He told. I am just a mouthpiece. If he said it will not come until my word, it will not come until my word. God says words have power. Incredible power. Incredible power. So he says, first be very sure. The first freedom, liberty of God's people. God is for you. Who can be against you? Yeah, who can be against you? This is where our confessions come from. Confession has to be connected with truth. Yeah, Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 as I close. Let your life be without covetousness. Why? Because he had said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Never leave you, nor forsake you. And let's close with that. Because you need to know scripture. You have to back up anything that you have said with a life that repents constantly, obeys. Repentance is the greatest obedience in your life. Okay, let me tell you. And then, believing what, what he has said. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, we don't have it. That's why this book is always safer. That's what I read or said. Let your conduct be without covetousness. And be content with what you have. Okay? Like I said, covetousness is always wanting something that belongs to somebody else. We are not bothered. We are not bothered. We know we are absolutely secure in God. God has loved us, accepted us, and he has got everything that you and I need to fulfill his purpose. It's already packed, ready. He has already blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. It is done. Therefore I have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Therefore, verse 6, he has said, therefore we may boldly say. That's where your boldness comes from. He has said, therefore I say. He has said, Therefore I say, that's where everywhere you need to know, Lord, I have been faithful. I have given my tithes to your house. I have been a good steward of resources. I don't waste money. I have done according to your word. I am old, but once I was young, I have never seen the righteous beg bread. Oh, but are you righteous? The devil will say, yeah, yeah. Why? Because I have believed for my righteousness by faith in Christ Jesus. It's an imputed, I am righteous in Christ. I didn't do anything to do that. I didn't earn it. It was given to me. Therefore, the Lord is my shepherd and the shepherd is my father. I shall not want. I will not go through lack in my life. And if any time, Lord, I go through lack in my life, either you are teaching me a lesson or it's for your glory. I am not going to believe the lies of the enemy or the stock market or the economy. I am going to go through this. Go through this. This is what it says, and so it shall be. I will not exalt my feelings, the opinions above the word of God, because you yourself have magnified your word above all your name. All your name. This is the key. This is the key. Let me, as I close, give you a a caution. Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. It is written in the volume of the book. The key is not obedience. The key is surrender. Surrender comes before obedience. 
You can be obedient and yet not surrendered. But you cannot be surrendered and not grow in your obedience. The first statement Jesus makes written in the Bible, we don't know when it was made, before he came, is a unconditional surrender. And the first statement Paul makes is an unconditional surrender. God can grow us in obedience, but if you are not surrendered, he cannot. He cannot. So simple thing is that every day go before this and I say, Lord, I still say, Lord, lot of stuff I don't understand, but I surrender. I will negate nothing from this except the death on the cross. That is not needed. One, why? Because it is written once and for all. And you sat down. Therefore, I will not expect that again. Everything else, it is possible. It's possible. It may not happen in my life, but by my unbelief, I will not stop it from happening in somebody else's life in my church. Because he said, greater things than this shall you do. Moses only parted the Red Sea. Joshua stopped the sun. Okay? You have to believe. I'm not saying we are not looking for signs and wonders. We are a sign and a wonder through this world. A people who are fearless in the midst of this calamity. Who heads are up looking for the second coming of Jesus Christ. Amen? Shall we pray? Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord. We just thank you, Father. No wonder your word says, eyes have been seen, no ears prepared. For those who love you and who you love. We will not shorten your hand by our unbelief. There are mountains in lives. There are trees in lives. And I pray today people will take heart and cast these mountains to the bottom of the sea until they disappear and never rise again. And also uproot these trees and allow them to be planted in the bottom of the sea that they are never washed back ashore so that we can walk free like your servants walked free, like your apostles walked free, like your son walked free. In the midst of a hostile generation, they walked free. With hands stretched out to bless everyone who came to them. That's a liberty only sons and daughters of God have, Lord. And it is the liberty that the gospel proclaims. For the spirit of the Lord has anointed us. First to set us free, and then through us to set others free, Lord. For the gospel is the gospel of freedom, true freedom. Thank you, thank you, Father. And I pray these 30 days, as your children walk in obedience, and walk the walk, and talk that talk, they will experience the power of the risen Savior in their lives. And now I take authority in the name of Jesus of Nazareth and I command every sickness, every infirmity to leave in Jesus' name. And if anyone who is sick, as your word says, has sinned, I pray, Father, forgive them. Because you said, Lord, if you have sinned, confess and forgive one another. Those diseases will go. And if it is because of sin, and I pray, Father, forgive them. And I speak healing into their bodies. 
And I speak healing into relationships. I pray, Father, the every mountain that stands in every life from them becoming fruitful for the living God. Be removed and be cast down into the sea in the name of Jesus. And in relationships, Lord, in homes, husbands and wives, parents and children, children and parents, that tree be uprooted, that bitterness be uprooted, that unforgiveness be uprooted and be planted in the bottom of the sea never to surface again, O God. Let your people walk in freedom. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Go with us. Go before us. And I pray, Father, we will be a set of fearless people. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Now, believing that the word of God has sanctified us, we lift up holy hands and we bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. And we proclaim, thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen.